Welcome to another edition of Sports and Songs, our weekly podcast. We're in season two, episode number 17. We are your hosts, Dan and Andy. Andy, how are you this Saturday? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Good. It's it's March 20th. You know, we're now we're into the first first day of spring here. March Madness, we've got baseball, hockey, basketball, wrestling, sports, all sorts of goodies coming Some up. Some colleges have spring football going. Spring football today for the Bison, I'm sure. Um, yeah. And so we got everything winding down here. We should have a good episode along with some music, concert news, and album uh, album reviews. Yeah. A little bit of everything, but first... Trivia. Yes. Trivia question. For all those uh, women's college Division One hockey fans out there, the, the, the Ohio State Buckeyes in the last... Prior to the last four years, never finished higher than fourth in the WCHA conference. Um, kind of always down there, bottom, cellar dwellers, kind of middle of the road, middle of the pack. But the last four years, they have been finishing uh, in the top three in their conference and making it to the Frozen Four twice. The reason for this is their new head coach, who is the new head coach. That's the trivia question today. Oh. Name the Ohio State Buckeyes women's head coach that's caused hockey, hockey who's caused all this, uh, the great turnaround in their program. And we'll get to that trivia question answer at the end of the sports segment today. But go ahead with all right. ranking. All right. Yes, we'll start off. Uh, speaking of hockey, we'll go into uh, high school hockey rankings right off the bat here. Uh, stateofhockey.com. Nothing that we do on our own. It's all we, we steal stuff from everybody, and we're going to share that information. Uh, boys Hockey 2A as of March 18th. Uh, Lakeville South is still one. Maple Grove, Ean Prairie flip spots. Grand Rapids, Hill Murray flip spots. And the rest are all kind of the same. Uh, St. Thomas Academy dropped to eight. Edina and Minnetonka 11 and 12. Kind of weird seeing those two down there, but there they are nonetheless. Moorhead down at 17, Rosewood at 18. Kind of weird seeing some of the perennial uh, state tournament participants down there, yeah. Boys A, again, Gentry Academy still num uh, number two. They've been number one or two all along. Hermantown War Road, same cast of characters every year right here for the A, which is fine, not complaining. There's Delano at 12. So, uh, A, holding tight, doing their thing. Moving on. Basketball, boys basketball. Here we go. 4A, got Champlin Park. I mean, same top six, really. Uh, Champlin Park, Wyzetta East v. Robbinsdale Cooper. 3A, moving along. This is all off uh, Minnesota Basketball Hub. This is off Star Tribune rankings. Uh, that is not a repeat. That is the rankings again for them. It's the final rankings for 3A. Minnehaha, South St. Paul, Tina Grace. Uh, final rankings, 2A. There we go, Wasika, North, and Caledonia. Again, uh, boys' tournaments will be starting here pretty soon for their section tournaments for first state. So these are kind of the final rankings. Final time we'll talk about them for state. And there's A, uh, Monoman, Ashby, and Nevis right up there. Their top 10 for boys. 
The Gills, 4A. Hopkins, Farmington, 17-0 at 2. Uh, Stillwater, 16-0. Yeah, the top four are all undefeated. Number five, Elk River, one loss. Tonka coming in at 6. Centennial. EP down at 9. And YZ at 10. 3A. Hill Murray jumps to number one. Becker uh, took one on the chin there. It looks like they dropped from one to three. Academy drop, or, uh, moves up to two. Waconia coming in at six for 3A. 2A. Again, these are as of the 10th. So these are old. Um, like I said, playoffs are coming up. So some of these are still kind of rumbling around. Uh, New London Spicer, Ferguson, Stewartville, your top three. And then uh, 1A, there we go, Miniota, Henning, and Sleepy Eye, your top three there. Did you uh, have any girls basketball news, sir? Yes. <clears throat> You'd mentioned Becker. Uh, this last week, they lost to Hopkins. They scheduled a game against Hopkins, top team in the state and number four team in the nation. They got beat. So one of their losses, I also think Becker lost again, but uh, yeah. Hopkins beat them. Now, Hopkins also scheduled a game with Chaska, the Chaska Hawks, uh, for a couple of weeks ago, a non-conference game, pairing up the two top-ranked teams in the state, uh, in, in the nation, you know, number four, Hopkins, against number 20. Yep. Chaska's up to number 20 in the nation now. And that game was canceled, postponed as well. So we never got a chance to see that. But last night in the Section 2 4A semifinals, Chaska beat Shakopee Sabres. They'll be moving on to the sectional title game. Now they're ranked third here in the state. They're ranked 20th in the nation. They'll be taking on Minnetonka ranked sixth. And that'll be the final championship game uh, in Chaska. On Thursday night, the winner goes to state. Now Chaska hasn't been to state since 2010. And so there's a, they're on a uh, potential 11, 11 year drought here. So if they win, they're in. If they lose, they are done. But uh, they're a fun team to watch. Like you said, undefeated, they'll be taking on the Minnetonka skippers on Thursday, but that's all that I've got for that. All right, moving on. Uh, speaking of hockey here still, we have women's hockey frozen four. Uh, games went kind of as projected there for their rankings. Uh, championship game. Uh, we got the, the five. Uh, Northeastern and Wisconsin were your winners, so they move on. There we go, updated. Refresh. They'll be playing tonight for your championship, uh, 6.30. Uh, Wisconsin and Northeastern going there. Um, looks like the rankings went Minnesota Duluth beat Colgate, five over the front. Really, one beat eight, two beat seven. Really no major upsets there for the girls. Uh, there's Ohio State, as we mentioned, uh, made the, the Frozen Four, but lost 4-2 to two to Team Cheddar. Speaking of college sports, there's this little basketball tournament thing going on here. Um, and we're, like I said, we didn't do our brackets, but we're going to talk about some Minnesota kids that are playing in the tournament. Uh, here's Jalen Scuggs from Gonzaga, number one Gonzaga. He went to Minnehaha Academy. Gonzaga's first game is today, uh, 8.20 Eastern on TBS. You can give him a, a view there. McKinley Wright, the, the third or fourth, I'm sorry, from Colorado. Went to Champlain Park. Uh, they play against Georgetown this morning. 
So you can give them a, a view and see them. Georgetown's not a bad team either, so that should be a good game to watch. Jericho Sims at Texas. Uh, Crystal Ray High School he went to. I looked up Crystal Ray. I had never heard of them. Small school enrollment of like 400 and some kids. Here he's playing in the big dance. So congrats to him. Texas is playing uh, outline Christian, which we'll cover a little bit later on here too. Uh, they play them today on True TV. You might want to start looking for True TV on your cable now. Uh, Mr. Walton, North Carolina, he, kid from Hopkins. Uh, North Carolina lost to Wisconsin yesterday, but uh, if you had a chance to watch that and you heard that name, Hopkins kid, keep an eye on him in the future too. He's a freshman guard. Uh, Wisconsin winning uh, was not a good thing for me in the bracket. Not that I had Carolina going far, but I did have Wisconsin losing. Speaking of said Wisconsin, um, you look at some of these names here, Wisconsin, it kind of looks like a Minnesota high school all-star team. Brad Davidson, Wisconsin. He went to Maple Grove senior this year. Uh, there's Nathan Reavers, Wisconsin, forward, senior from Lakeville North. Um, here's some other Minnesotans that made it. Ben Carson went to Wisconsin. Stephen Crawl, Wisconsin. Geez, why did Patino lose his job again? I forgot. Uh, Tristan Dean plays for Liberty. Uh, he's going to went to North St. Paul. Uh, another kid from Liberty, Drake Dobbs. He went to Ian Prairie. Uh, another kid that went to Wisconsin from Hopkins, Joe Headstorm. Jacob Hudson went to Loyola Chicago. He was a cake eater. Uh, Walt McGravy was Wisconsin, another cake eater. Cameron Steele, Elvin Christian, we talked about them earlier. He went to Minnetonka. And Taylor Wall, another Wisconsin kid. All these Wisconsin kids, and everybody's why again, Richard Bertino lost his job as head coach here because he couldn't recruit the local kids. All these local kids went to Wisconsin. What are they doing? Oh, they're playing the you know second round tomorrow, you know, next week. Um, Liberty there, they did lose Oklahoma State, and Little Chicago did beat Georgia Tech. Um, on the women's side, there are some gals playing. Um, I was reading a story on care11.com. You can follow the story there. Uh, Jalen Suggs, who mentioned earlier at Gonzaga, grew up very close friends with Paige Beckers. Um, there's some pictures of those two together on there. They did a lot of things together. So the girls' side, you'll see Paige. Uh, also, Liz Craylin from Stillwater. She's at Marquette. And they'll be on ESPN Family Networks, has the women's games. And now when you say the ESPN Family Networks, that includes ABC, so there might be some games on there too, so we'll be flipping around there. Um, so there's uh, Gabby Hayek from Invergrove Heights, Tate Dasano, uh, she went to Texas. Other Minnesotas included, like I said, Monica Cesano from Watertown Mayor at Iowa. Iowa State's Kristen Scott went to Cass and Monterville. And South Dakota has two gals, uh, Liz Korberg from Mayo High School in Rochester, and Hannah's down, she went to Rogers High School, just here in Rogers, Minnesota. So a lot of the smaller school kids are playing in the big dances for the girls. So that's really neat to see, see them go. Which brings me to this week's soapbox. There was an issue earlier on the news we saw. They showed about the training facilities, the, the men have for the basketball tournament compared to the women. Without getting into that, you always hear you, you saw some stats. Uh, Sue Bird and LeBron James had a thing earlier this week comparing how much they each make. LeBron makes $30 million a year. Sue Bird makes like $200,000. But you look at their career stats, same amount of championships, same amount of gold rank, or uh, Olympics, all these other things. 
It's because women's sport doesn't have the advertising money and the TV contracts the men have. That's where most of it comes from. It's not your quality of game. But what's depressing to me, and this is where I'm getting on my box here a little bit, is, oh, ESPN's say they're going to show all the women's games, but it's on ESPNU or ESPN Women's Channel. And channels a lot of people don't get unless you buy your third-tier cable package. So you're not a chance to sim a lot. So therefore, they can't get the advertising money, the TV contracts, so they can get the better facilities, the better training, and all this other stuff. That's where it comes down to is supporting your schools when you go. Go see the girls play in high school. Go see them play college. Try to catch them on TV as much as you can when you watch. Because if you watch them on TV, the ratings go up. Hey, funny, there's a demand for it. You'll see more games going. Um, yes, it's fun to watch, like I said, the women's game before, more because they're playing to win, not to be on Sports Center. You watch some of the men's games, that's where teams get tentative. You know, not saying this happened to Ohio State against Oral Roberts yesterday, but ORU had nothing to lose. They're going out there like a rabid bull ready to go. And Ohio State's playing safe. Next thing you know, you're behind by 15, 10, 15 points, and you're out of luck. So that's what's depressing about that. You don't see that in the women's game. I don't care if it's one against 16 or not. They're always all playing to win all the time. You take no one for granted. UConn takes no one for granted. They got you down by 20. They're going to keep their foot in your throat and beat you by 35 when it's done. They're not going to step back. So, um, and the women's games, like I said, on TV today, 11 o'clock on ESPN is Central Michigan against Iowa. That's 11 o'clock. And also on ESPN tonight, High Point, again, uh, they were 22-6. and six. They won the Big South Conference for women's basketball. They'll be going up against UConn tonight at 7 on ESPN. So you can watch some local kids there. Um, little pro wrestling news out for you. All Elite Wrestling, their show Dynamite on Wednesday nights. This last Wednesday, there was a match between Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa that if you've not seen this match, you need to go back and watch it. I've heard no one say anything less than match of the year for it already. If you're into pro wrestling, this is a perfect match. The, the way that it was choreographed, the way it was the story it told, it, you couldn't do it any better. These two spot on. Um, I'll tell you right now, they, they both had a little color, meaning there was blood, there was violence, because it was a lights-out sanction match. So there was chairs and blood and ladders and thumbtacks and all that stuff, but still a good match. Told the story. Both of them, awesome job there. So give that a look. Going to the college programs for the week. Who's got what, where? For three teams we not only say sponsor, support. Go for calendar for the week coming up. <clears throat> See, here we go. We got NCAA Championships Wrestling coming up. Today, that's on ESPN2. Uh, women's Gymnastics and Men's uh, Swimming and Diving Championships. You can see those. Again, gophersports.com. You can click on the watch icons there and check those out. Um, and Baseball Northwestern, they're playing today um, at, the, at the Greenhouse. Sunday, Volleyball Wisconsin, Soccer Rutgers. Men's tennis, Penn State, baseball again, Northwestern, and Iowa at Iowa for tennis. Then during the week, uh, baseball and gymnastics on Monday at Northwestern, Illinois, here at the Pavilion. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday, swimming and diving championships continue in North Carolina. Men's golf out there in California and soccer 
here against Purdue. Friday, again, continuation of the championships for swimming and diving. Uh, continued golf, baseball, tennis, and softball. Uh, all getting kicking kicking in right here. Um, college baseball, great sport to watch, support them. Volleyball, finishing up there. That's our goal for the week. Our friends up north in Bemidji. Uh, Saturday, they got softball and baseball games going on. They don't have a lot of the other sports they have here now, so uh, just baseball and softball are really going on. The Beavers did lose last night in the regions uh, for the WCHA. They will not be playing the WCHA championship game today. They were ranked 15th coming in, so we don't know. Seating or selection show is Sunday night for the NCAA hockey. And the way that goes for NCAA hockey is um, – they have 16 teams, games on March 26th and 28th, and April 8th and 10th will be their final four. Um, it's from the Atlantic Hockey, the ECHC, Hockey East, Big Ten, NCHC, and WCHA. So those six get automatic bids, and the other 10 are at large. In Hockey East and out West, number one Boston College lost in their tournament. Uh, UMass, number one seed in their conference, lost in their tournament. So you're, you're good, get a chance to see these other schools come in if they get the automatic bids. I wouldn't worry if I was Boston College or UMass or these other schools that lost. They'll still get an at-large bid. But it kind of throws things in a tumble when you got your number one team in the country doesn't win its conference tournament. Well, now they just took one of those at-large bids. Hopefully they took it from a team who wins that conference tournament. So it kind of makes it the debate on who should be there or not. A little more fun to have with the boys at the bar afterwards. Speaking of spring football, here's Bison's schedule for the week. Baseball. And here they're going against – they're the Sioux. I don't care what their little birdie says. It's the North Dakota Sioux. They're playing football at the Dome against the Sioux today. Um, there's softball at Kansas. Baseball Northwestern – or, I'm sorry, Western Illinois. Volleyball at Denver and softball Tulsa. And there's kind of the rest of their schedule. This is all at gobison.com. Uh, track and field coming up. Baseball, there's Oral Roberts University, their basketball upsetting school. Uh, soccer against South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits. And volleyball at North Dakota. A uh, little NASCAR news for the weekend coming up. Here's the standings going into today. They're at Atlanta for the Fold of Honor 500. Here's the standings going into that. Um, so you got Denny Hamlin, Brad Kozlowski, uh, Punk Joy Logano, Collis. There's a little asterisk by their name. But that means they've won a race already, so they're automatically in the playoffs. So that's you win a race, you're automatically in. So that's the, the point standings right there. Uh, this is all at NASCAR.com. You can get that information. Going back to some other notes, here's my meme of the week, my bracket right there. Thanks to Oral Roberts. Appreciate it. Um, backtracking the girls' basketball a little bit. Next year, the women's Final Four is in Minneapolis. So maybe we get a chance to see Paige play a little local basketball here. Um, my person of the week, athlete, musician, whatever, Paul Stanley, a kiss. Um, he's got another band called soul station. Uh, what is a soul station is a band he put together back in 2015. 
and they, he recovers a lot of Motown songs, but he doesn't do it Kiss style. He does it Motown style. So uh, it's nice, so easy listening music. If you like Motown stuff, um, if you like some of Paul Stanley's ballads, it's that same, you know his voice for it then. I highly suggest you give it a listen. If, again, if you're into the old uh, Motown sound, if you will, go with that. Uh, and then I just got a couple concert updates here for you before we get going. Um, Medina. Now, Medina's website, if you got concerts for tickets for some of these other things, please give them a call and check. Uh, for their list of concerts, they list uh, the next one being Friday, April 9th, Arena with Heartless opening up. Uh, Trilogy, tribute band of the Doors, Zeppelin and Pink Floyd on Sunday, or I'm sorry, Saturday, April 10th. The next weekend is them pesky kids with gel on the 16th, followed by church of cash. April 23rd head games, a tribute to foreigner and April 21st, 24th, the Shayla Lee band. But if you go to their calendar, they don't list a lot of those bands on there for April. So please give them a call for you head down there to check. Um, for you head down and see what's going on at the Medina. That's what I got, Dan. How about uh, you, sir? What do you got for uh, trivia answer, first of all? Trivia question is the Ohio State Buckeyes women's hockey program always had been uh, a cellar dweller, kind of middle of the road. But the last four years have been doing very good, finishing uh, in the top three in the conference, going to the Frozen Four twice. The reason for that is a new head coach. <clears throat> the question is, who is that head coach? The name is Nadine Muserall is the head women's coach there. Now, she may sound familiar to mm -hmm. the listeners. She's the all-time leading goal scorer and points scorer at the University of Minnesota Golden Gopher, Golden, uh, Gopher Women's Hockey Program. And, and, you know, a, a lot of women's players came through the program and put up huge, huge points. A lot of all-stars, Hall of Famers, uh, whatnot. But uh, Nadine uh, topped them all out. Uh, in fact, her gloves are on display at the Hockey Hall of Fame. And so very good credibility there. Uh, she went on and has been named the head coach of Ohio State Buckeyes. And boy, has really turned over that program into a powerhouse. And so in the future years, for those following women's college hockey, keep an eye on Ohio State. Right now, Wisconsin seems to be has a grasp uh, uh, going to those final games, winning the championships. Wisconsin plays today. This will be their ninth time in the title game going up against Northeastern, who's never even been to the Frozen Four ever. And so that'll be good. But Wisconsin's uh, really in there in the mix. But Ohio State, I think, in the next couple of years, uh, they're going to be a team to reckon with. And I think with uh, Musrall at the helm, uh, they're going to be a good team to – Watch. So that's the trivia question for this week. Nice. And in uh, your in your earbuds this week, what I've got? We're listening I've to. Got, I've got Nirvana. Not Nevermind. We've already covered Nevermind okay. once. And they only really made three albums. A lot of them, a lot of folks, public folks in the public know the second, and third albums, but not many know the first. The very first one is called Bleach, and so that'll be the I'm going to share the screen here. Yep. The album review today is Nirvana's Bleach. 
Bleach is the debut studio album by American rock band Nirvana, released in 1989 on Sub Pop Records. They released the first single, Love Buzz, in November. It's kind of a punk, punk sound to it. Remember, grunge really wasn't around yet, but the Seattle sound was when this came out. Um, they really, they uh, rehearsed two or three weeks in preparation for a full-length album. They were only under contract to release an EP, but they said, you know what, let's release a full-length album in the recording studio and see what happens. Maybe we can release that. Uh, so, of course, they did that. They uh, rehearsed at Reciprocal Recording in Seattle, Washington, under the producer Jack Endino, the godfather, the grandfather of grunge. Uh, this entire album is really 37 minutes. It's made up of a lot of songs that are under under three minutes long. It's a pretty quick, easy listening to album. Uh, it only sold, this album sold 40,000 copies when it was first released. The next album Nirvana did was Nevermind, which went how many times platinum? Right. What it did was it brought up about a resurgence in this album that you're seeing now with the black and white cover. Uh, had a resurgence of this. Also in 1994, Kurt Cobain's death brought a, re brought a resurgence to people buying this album. And they also, Geffen Records released this for the 20th anniversary in 2009, including a live recording, a live concert, and some extra uh, bonus, bonus material. And this ended up selling now to this date, 1.9 million copies. It already went platinum. In fact, it's on the verge of being a double platinum album. And I don't think many people have even heard of it. So anyway, this was 1989 before things became big. Uh, short album, this, is, this album came out, next month will be the 27 year anniversary of this album. Rolling Stone Magazine named their top 50 grunge albums of all time. Bleach is number 13 on the all-time list wow. of grunge music. So, uh, you know, really, really interesting stuff here. I just listened to this again last night and I forgot how much I uh, like this entire, this entire album. It's got a punk rock feel to it, of course. Now, the band, what they did when they were getting ready to record and rehearsing for this, they had a tour van on the road and they had a cassette. One side was a Smithereens album. The other side was, the other side of the album was an extreme metal band called Celtic Frost. <laughs> and so on tour, they listened to both sides of this and uh, their bassist, Chris Novoselic said, our music is kind of somewhere in the middle of this, uh, kind of everyday pop, punk, along with right. some heavy, very heavy music. So that's what they uh, said that they listened to at the time. The lyrics were all written by Kurt Cobain, basically before he moved to, to uh, Seattle. Uh, him and his family, he grew up not in a, in a good environment really, but grew up in Aberdeen, Washington. A lot of the lyrics about his distaste of living there, his distaste of growing up there, and his resentment toward his parents. So a lot of a lot of anger here came through, but really he wrote all the lyrics about his time in Aberdeen. Which is kind of funny because the city of Aberdeen just loves Kurt Cobain when you go there, you know? They, they kind of, you know, turned it up now and they kind of welcome mm -hmm. all the, the fans that come in to visit. Um, 
you know, the sign says, come as you are when you enter. It's a, you know, Kurt Cobain's birthplace, but uh, wasn't well, too well liked and didn't, didn't like it, wanted to get out. It's a big logging town there and, and, and didn't like it. He made a song called Mr. Mustache that really makes fun. Uh, Kurt Cobain makes fun of the athletic jock types with big mustaches back in the 80s. Um, and, and so he, he makes fun of these, these, fat, uh, these, these folks and also makes fun of the, you know, the jocks in general. And when they became famous after Nevermind, the biggest fan base that Nirvana had was their uh, jocks in high school and, and Nirvana. Cobain hated it. <laughs> he hated that the biggest group of his, of his followings were the people that he had disdain for growing up in high school. So very, very interesting. The album... The working title of the album before it went to Bleach was called Too Many Humans. Too Many, T-O-O, -O, Too Many Humans. They renamed it Bleach when they were in town, San Francisco, on a tour. And they saw, Cobain saw a billboard for AIDS prevention that advises uh, heroin users to remember to bleach your needles if you're a heroin user. Before using it, called Bleach Your Works. Bleach your needles if you're using heroin because HIV was running rampant at this time. He goes, let's name the album Bleach. So that's what it relates to. That's the other common question that I get is, you know, what is, what is Bleach? What does it mean? Why do they name it, name it that? It's actually very, very good. A lot of humor on the album then as well. In retrospect, uh, a music review critic did say that this album defined the entire decade of the 1990s. If you if you uh, listen to Bleach, the entire album, it's really your your summary of the entire 1990s decade in music. Now, here's the track listings. All, song one is blue, not the color. It's the past tense of the word blow. Blue, uh, very very good song. Once again, these are these first. Four tracks are under three minutes long. They kick by really fast. Song is uh, song two is Floyd the Barber. Kind of talks about the lyrics. Lyrics about Floyd the Barber uh, really gets into kind of child abuse is what it what it kind of talks to. Uh, almost uh, kind of a sex trafficking lyrics. Song three is about a girl. That's got an early Beatles sound to it. About a girl. Song four is a heavy song called School. Cobain writes that he feels like he's back in school. These lyrics were pointed toward their producers at Sub Pop Records, in particular, John Poneman, who basically lyrics say, I feel like I'm back in school. Whenever I get in trouble, there's no recess for you. No recess for you. You can't go to recess because you're in trouble. And so the band finally makes it big. And Cobain finds himself now getting in trouble for doing things on the road in the studio, and then subsequently um, uh, disciplined. And so he feels like he's back in school. The song Love Buzz has a great bass opening to the song Love Buzz uh, by Chris Novoselic, the bassist. But that's a cover song from a Shocking Blue song. Uh, Shocking Blue band made the song Love Buzz. Nirvana just covered it very good. The song Paper Cuts is next, also very good. That's lyrics involve sex trafficking. Song seven is Negative Creep. Negative Creep, Cobain wrote about himself. <coughs> uh, when he's high, when he's stoned, he's a negative creep. 
And I think that was the nickname that he got. So he wrote this about himself. The lyrics are about himself. Also, it, it heavily jumps into on the chorus that, uh, you know, it talks about that his dad always wished for a daughter. And I was growing up, his dad wished for a daughter. Kurt Cobain wasn't that daughter, but he had the long hair. Uh, and the lyrics, the chorus goes, daddy's little girl ain't a girl no more. Daddy's little girl ain't a girl no more. So a lot of trouble growing up in that family. The song Scoff is next. Scoff song eight talks about his parents and the contempt he had for his parents with their love for alcohol. Uh, talks about alcoholics here. And uh, it's, it's a direct shot on, on Cobain's parents. So these lyrics are very interesting. Now, in an interview, Kurt Cobain says in an interview that the lyrics meant nothing. A lot of the lyrics to these songs that he made for this album, Bleach, were done the night before, or quickly created the lyrics because he always put his time into the music first and writing the, and composing the, mu the music. And then thought about the lyrics later as an afterthought. I'm one here to tell you right now that that's a, couldn't be nothing further from the truth. I think he wanted to downplay yep. the lyrics. Uh, the, import, the importance of the lyrics on these albums, uh, Cobain are very in-depth, uh, very troubling almost. But uh, he goes after a lot of people in these lyrics. Uh, Scott is his parents. Number nine, the song called Swap Meat. He goes, after, he goes after the swap meat crowd on Sunday mornings at meat for flea markets because I think his family did this and he made fun of the folks there, the stereotype of, of those going to flea markets on the weekends. The Sunday swap meat is what he talks about here. Very interesting. Song 10 is Mr. Mustache. Goes, goes after high school jocks with mustaches here. Song 11, the final song on the track, is called sifting sifting like you would sift out uh flour uh while baking something using a okay. sifter his song is called sifting but it goes after teachers and preachers in the lyrics that liked his blue eyes and always were interested in having them uh having them either inviting him to go back to their place or back uh for whatever kind of talks about sex abuse here once again and the those in a position of authority treating him as a sex object when he was a young child, including he goes after teachers and preachers. So sifting, very, very nasty lyrics of the looks that he got from adults growing up and also his interest in leaving Aberdeen. He could not wait to get out. Now, there's bonus tracks. Big Cheese makes fun of the sub pop record producer president, Jonathan Ponemon back at the time, calls him Big Cheese. And then Downer, the song Very Heavy Downer is, uh, is very good, heavy, heavy metal. It's their ode to Black Flag. Now, I never was a big fan of Black Flag in the punk rock industry, but they kind of did an ode to them, uh, has a Black Flag feel to it. And so once again, those are um, the songs. Sifting, going back to Sifting, song 11 with the uh, preachers and teachers. The, the chorus comes back to saying, hey, guys, not interested, not interested. Basically him saying, I, I know what you guys are after, but I'm not interested in that sort of thing. Uh, and it talked about, uh, it had the vibe about uh, sex abuse. Now, here's the personnel for this album. Kurt Cobain, of course, did all the lyrics, vocals and guitar. Chris Novoselic, bass. 
Chad Channing on the drums. And this is the last album with Chad Channing because they got Dave Grohl came in. And that's when Nevermind took off and the, uh, the band took off huge. And they went into the stratosphere with Dave Grohl. But, but Chad Channing does appear on drums for nine of those songs. Three were done before he came into the mix, recorded by Dale Crover. Dale Crover was on drums for three songs, later went on to join the Melvins. Dale Crover. So this album, once again, very good. It sold 1.9 million copies. But it's one of those albums the general public really doesn't know a lot about. Uh, and after the resurgence of the 20 year anniversary reissue by Geffen Records. Uh, oh, Sub Pop, by the way, was it, was it was released on Sub Pop, and that was a Jack Andino produced called, short for Subterranean Popular Music, because what he wanted to do was have a music recording called Subterranean Popular Music, shortened it to Sub Pop. This is the biggest album ever on such a small label in Seattle, and then they moved to Geffen, and then they became big, and that's when they reissued this uh, Bleach album. But 1.9 million copies, the, the dang thing is almost double platinum. And uh, it's a very undervalued album. The entire 37 minutes, the entire album you can listen to. Uh, good stuff. But that's all I've got for the album review of the I week. noticed on the album cover, they might have mirrored it because Cobain played left-handed and the guitarist on the album cover was right-handed. I think it was, uh, it was mirrored, uh, done in black and white. The album photograph was done by Kurt Cobain's girlfriend at the time named Tracy Marauder. Miranda. Tracy Miranda was his girlfriend, and she really helped out a lot with the art and the photographs. That's her photo in black and white, but yeah, they didn't put much time or energy into any of the labeling, the naming. It was just a sloppy uh, deal. At the end, you know, these guys didn't have too much money. Jack and Dino, grandfather of grunge, sent them a bill for recording time for $606.17. Said, here it is for the recording studio time. The guys didn't even have really the money to put it together. So a little used guitarist that was in the studio, Jason Everman, wasn't even credited on the album, said, oh, how about I write the check for the $606.17? Call it good. You guys can make it up for, for me later. He's the actual one who funded it. Um, didn't even stay with the band long, but uh, he's the one who wrote a check because the other guys didn't have any cash. They had no money. Almost homeless. I mean, uh, so very interesting, but... Uh, how they swung later to become one of the most, uh, most known bands once Dave Grohl entered the, into the mix. Yeah. That whole Seattle sound kind of took off, but it all took off, but uh, you know, they'd been around for a while. The Seattle music took, were around for a while. Nirvana was considered to some extent, some of the latecomers and then that nevermind album came out and it blew open the doors and um, it all became huge. Um, so that's the album review of the week bleach. And, and I like the word they got the name from the, Remember to bleach your needles when you're using heroin. Because yeah, that, that's good for your system, too. That's also good. Uh, uh, it's a public service announcement. Uh, so they San saw that on the billboard in, in San Fran when HIV and AIDS was really big yep. you know, at the time. Um, don't do drugs. AIDS was huge. HIV. Yep. So this was 1989. So Great. Great. That's what I got yeah. uh, for today. Yeah. Um. Like I said, Tuesdays, uh, you'll see me do a little something on Instagram. Uh, Dan Wednesdays, has something Wednesday. I'll do something on Wednesday. I covered 
senior men's league baseball history this week, and I'm going to cover the next couple of weeks here. Amateur baseball, I'm going to focus on the DRS League one of the weeks and the Crow River Valley League the second week. So I'll do a little 10-minute segments on that as well. All right. Yeah, um, last week I kind of covered uh, NIT basketball. I updated the blog yesterday, talked about uh, comparing – the college football championship against madness. Um, the differences on those are similarities on those, how they're so important in expansion or non-expansion of those tournaments, depending who you ask. So that's on our blog. Um, Tuesday on Instagram, I'll have a little something. Dan has something Wednesdays. And uh, Thursday or Friday, if we think of it, we might throw something out, but don't hold your breath. But as tournaments come up now, you never know if things get busy. We got to do something else. Baseball season starts. We might have more stuff breaking news type stuff on a Thursday or Friday come out, but. When's open the season? One week from Thursday. That's right. Yep. That's right. How about the Mets? Do you have any news from the Mets? The Mets, um, uh, they're sitting good. Um, the, the one pitcher Crossco they got from the Indians in the trade, he came back from shoulder surgery. I really think about it. Oh, arms doing great. Come back from shoulder surgery and pull the hamstring. So ah. he'll be out to uh, April or May. Um, some other things I read about baseball coming up, uh, Trevor story, uh, the shortstop for, um, Colorado watch for him this season. If the Rockies aren't doing well, he's in the last year of his contract. They might trade him. The Cubs, if they're not in it, uh, Chris Bryant and, uh, Javi, uh, the shortstop. Yeah, their shortstop, they could be traded too if the Cubs are out of it. Um, just financial reasons. They're both in the last, they're all three in the last year of their contracts. Um, and other teams like that too. I, I see because of last year, teams lost money. If they're out of it early, they're not going to waste a lot of time. If you're a contender and your shortstop goes down or you think, Hey, we need a guy quick. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a, a major trade quote unquote done before the all-star break. Blockbuster. Yeah. Something before the all-star break. Someone get uh, on it. For the Cubs fans out there, I've been doing some reading. They've got this core group that's been with them for how many years now? They're all going to be leaving and finishing and wrapping up, like you mentioned. But what's coming up in the farm system? They've got what they think is their next core group of guys in double-A and single-A and, and triple-A coming up that could be coming up in the next year or two that could be with the Cubs for many years to come. So watch, watch that as well develop. So if the Iowa Cubs are in St. Paul – Go catch a game, watch it on TV, because you might see some major leaguers coming up. I mean, right. you will in AAA. Hopefully you'll see major leaguers anyway. But if the Cubs are counting on them being uh, winners for them. Yeah, producing. those guys, too, that, that I mentioned that are coming up, if they're in AAA, uh, you're going to see them come through in St. Paul, Minnesota at CHS Field. Uh, that would be good good guys to watch there. A lot of talent. Lots of – yeah, a lot of preseason picks coming out for everybody, all, all the geniuses. Uh or, or to quote Sid Hartman, all the brain wizards uh, with their predictions. I don't like doing preseason baseball predictions because that's such a sucker's bet, especially for baseball. It's too long a season. That's so one guy gets hurt, two guys get hot that shouldn't. It, you've thrown everything all off. Um, I said the Mets are looking at pitchers coming back healthy. They may not come out strong, but if uh, one guy comes back from the hamstring, good. Uh, Syndergaard comes back good. And again, Noah Syndergaard such a great follow on Twitter. Holy cow, he's hilarious. He, people try to 
try to ruffle his feathers and he just rallies right back on him. It's it's pretty funny. Pretty funny. Good follow. Good stuff. Remember to leave your comments and questions below and also recommendations for sports teams and music. All right. See you next time, everyone. See ya.